0: What's up, everybody? It's Tony Florio and welcome to Hangry and Horny. I just came back from a walk to Walmart. Yes, I shopped there, but only for water. And the reason is most of the food there I find is just not edible. It's all processed and I totally get it. It's cheap. A lot of people have to shop there because they have to make ends meet. They got to feed their families. But seriously... We have an abundant country here in the United States of America. We have amazing land to produce high-quality produce and real whole food. There's no reason why we can't have affordable, high-quality food to eat at everybody's place in life, regardless of their income levels So that's just my little rant there, but I just think that we have to raise our standards and a lot of the issues that we're having, all these symptoms of diabetes and pre-diabetes and obesity is becoming epidemic in this country. And it's a country of excess. And for anybody that's ever traveled to other places in the world, like, you know, even different parts of our own country here in the U.S., It's mind-boggling how so many people are just not able to get good nutrition. So that's just frustrating, you know? And I just want to be able to provide the awareness for us to raise our standards, to do the little things that don't really cost much money, that can drastically improve the quality of our lives, such as Getting outside and getting sunlight and breathing fresh air amongst the trees or out in nature to get away from our smartphones for a while and to connect with other human beings, to laugh, to communicate, to share stories, to be vulnerable, to use each other as a feedback mechanism, a soundboard to work out our own issues in our lives. We're all human after all. And uh we're all hard on ourselves and life itself is hard. So, you know, eat good food, be good to each other, be kind and get some good sleep. It's amazing how all these little things can make our lives better and it doesn't cost that much money. And hopefully that will enable us to generate more income in some creative entrepreneur way. And I just want to encourage people to Sort of think outside the box and, and go for your dreams, just like I'm doing and we're all doing. And, uh, you know, let's do that together. So this show is sponsored by Fat Bomb Nut Butters. Drop in Fbomb dot com. Ross and Kara my dear friends from Flagstaff, Arizona. They created this amazing snack that can be used on the go, can be used as a light meal that doesn't bog you down, and they make high-quality fat nut butters made out of macadamia, and they have different awesome flavors from macadamia pecan with sea salt, macadamia and coconut with sea salt macadamia with sea salt and one of my favorites the salted chocolate macadamia with sea salt so go to drop an and punch in the promo code flow f-l-o-w-r-e-a-l and get 20% off of your first order my next guest is a dear friend of mine who is a u.s veteran of the marines he has spent time in Afghanistan and uh different places in the world. He's an amazing human being, a dear friend, a dear brother. I've known him for a couple of years. His name is Chris Albert, and he runs a business called WarriorSoulagoji.com. Agoji is spelled A-G-O-G-E dot com. And this is based on the principles of the Spartans. A lot of people know the famous 300 Spartans that fought in Thermopyles against the Persians. Well, the training grounds for the Spartans was known as an agoji, I believe. But Chris Albert is an amazing human being, and human being he is. He had a lot of... Flaws that he's overcome, lessons he's learned from mistakes and become a better human being as a result of owning his shit and taking responsibility and then taking that wisdom and becoming of service. So his website also includes the Warrior Soul podcast with interviews, a lot of veterans who have Similar issues who had trouble transitioning into civilian life after a life in the military. They've had issues like traumatic brain injuries or amputations and found ways to sort of uh, overcome these challenges and become of service to their nation and to the world. So check out Warrior Soul podcast. It's got amazing, amazing guests I'm actually on one of the episodes and, uh, one of the cool things is that you also learn about things like nutrition and exercise and entrepreneurship. So, um, I just want to like just give it to give it up to my buddy Chris Albert. Um, again, you'll love this episode. He gets really vulnerable and, um, I'm just so lucky and blessed to have him as a brother in my life. So enjoy this episode number 10 of Hangry and Horny. Peace.
1: What's up, Chris Albert? <laughs> What's up? How's it going, man? Uh, good, I got a microphone in front of my face. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. And you got a microphone in and your face. coffee, so all a... right. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Holy shit, man. You busted me up with the hell run yesterday. That was a good run, man. Um, you know, we, we started out with some hills, and then we did some more hills. And the cool part about that run is, like, it puts you into that, like, fight or flight mode, at the beginning when we hit that hill and then you go through that and you're like, holy crap, I'm dying. And so your monkey brain is telling you to stop. But then you go down the hill and your monkey brain's like, go a little bit faster, right? Go, go, a little, go a little bit faster. You could do that. Right. But then another hill comes up and then it's like, Oh man, this, this, and that hill is steeper, right? The second hill is way steeper, way steeper. And so you're like, Oh my God. Right. And then you get through that. Then you go into flat land your monkey brain starts calming down a little bit, and it's saying "go faster." And then it's a really long run. I think, I, I mean, it could be as little as five. We didn't really measure it out. Yeah, or it could be as much as seven. So, and which is not a long run for like most and, people. And those it. first yeah. two hills are like actually about a quarter of the way. So yeah, yeah <laughs> and I'm already yeah, yeah. dying. They're, they're really <laughs> big. So like after a while, your, your your brain's like, well, maybe you ran enough today but the cool part about that run is like there's so many twists and turns like you don't you can't get home the only way to get home is running so your job the whole time is you're making your monkey brain like completely schizophrenic <laughs> and your job is to be the calm guy in the room and just be like just keep a solid pace keep going yeah keep going your breathing, don't quit and do yeah keep I don't know breathing. like I'm not like a runner like I don't I, I was never a good runner I'm still not a good runner like my girlfriend Shauna, she's a she's yeah a she's incredible athlete. runner yeah. yeah she can leave me in the dust but the way i the reason why i run is it's almost like a calming drug to me mm-hmm. right? so like when you run and you you go through something like that afterwards it's like a really calming experience you get all these happy chemicals generated in your system and I feel great for the rest of the day. Like I slept like a baby last night, and it felt really good. I got some good work done last night after we got home. You know, I got some good sun, good vitamin D, and like you know, it got to be out in nature, and that was that was awesome. You know? Yeah, it's a great stress reliever, and I find that it's actually exorcism. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're definitely working out. For me. I mean, like you know, our friend Brian Rose he's doing that that Iron Man training right now. Yeah, and and, and uh, we talked about you know he's. In 90 days to do something like that. but people who do that, I'm fascinated by people who do ultra marathons, I'm fascinated by because you got to think about the demons you're trying to work out in your head while you're running 100 miles, right? And yeah, and and uh, you know, what are you thinking? I mean, I've never done anything like that, so like, what are you thinking at mile 50? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you thinking at that point? Is it like, right. like. Like I could not imagine. I mean, part of me wants to do one, yeah, just because. But then part of me is like, well, maybe I sh- I shouldn't, you know? What yeah, I mean? so yeah. I, I've always been wondering about. It's that. Like,
0: what's the point? But yeah. I guess the thing is, it's like finding out where your line is, your limit, yeah, or your perceived limit. Because I'd never had run that far yesterday, and with hills, yeah, and I just kept talking to myself that monkey brain schizo was just saying just just keep going keep going at a certain point like i actually stopped and just walked and then caught my breath and then just kept going at any point i could turn back but if i turned back it would have been just as long
1: yeah well that's i mean my background is a power lifter right so like cardio was not something that i always wanted to do but now it's part of my daily routine and it's not for the fat loss like i'm i'm skinny enough, right? Yeah, you're pretty lean. Um, It's not for, for anything except to keep my mind right. And I keep it in as part of my daily routine. Whether it's running, you know, five, six, seven miles or whether it's, you know, just doing a quick jog around the neighborhood, Like some around, you know, noon to to one o'clock, I got to get outside. I got to get some sun. And it's just a great way to enjoy nature, to enjoy this beautiful scenery I'm lucky enough to to live in out here, you know? Yeah,
0: it's pretty cool because you're stocking everything, right? Like if you were just doing like a sitting silent meditation, you know, you may get the aspect of like working out your demons in your own mind. Mm -hmm. But you're not working out your body. You're not getting vitamin D. You're not getting like the uh airflow through the system and like sort of flushing out everything
1: mm-hmm. you're not moving your body your muscles your circulation and- yeah yeah and i'll be honest with you i like i've tried a lot of silent meditation i've tried like i have this weird thing that i'll do it's called particle meditation it's a super weird one i'll talk about that in a second but like nothing works for me as well and i'm not saying that you know uh, silent meditation isn't good but nothing works for me as well as that 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 experience getting out there and and just training the monkey brain through through doing that kind of hard stuff um want to hear about particle meditation yeah please man it's so, hilarious guys so, so, so <laughs> the way this works is um uh, i get a really small blanket right i'm only i'm, I'm about five foot eight like i'm not a I'm not a big guy at all but I'll get a really, really small blanket, like something that my, my dog piper would like sleep on. And then what I'll do is I will stuff my body entirely underneath it and pin every ounce of the blanket underneath. So I'm really, really like a bubble under the blanket. And what I'll do that when I'm doing this particle meditation, like I'm in the fetal position, but I'll put on boiling water, right in, in a teapot. And so <laughs> while the water is going, I'm listening to the sound of the particles, like listening to the sound of the water beginning to boil. That's what I focus on the whole time. And then as it's going, I'm like pretending and like in my mind, wondering what a particle would be going through in the water. Is it getting like super rapid and like going going crazy <laughs> and everything like that? And then when the water starts boiling and starts whistling, it takes about 10 minutes usually. That's that's when the particle meditation's over. But like I have actually found that to be very, very helpful in like just give me a start to my day. It just looks really weird when my girlfriend walks in or like you walk in and you see me in a bubble underneath a blanket shaking. Shaking violently yeah, yeah. Like, like you're turning into vapor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steam. Yep. yep. And uh, but but it, it works. It and works, yeah. I definitely suggest trying it. Anybody out there. I mean, don't knock until you try it. So.
0: Well what came up in your mind to come up with that? You know, Just frustration with regular meditation, or
1: yeah, I, I mean, I, when I'm trying to sit there and like, see, I'll have like, you know, you look at the way I'm sitting right now, like, if I'm if I'm sitting anywhere and I'm like trying to work, I'm like constantly going, I'm constantly moving, I'm constantly doing something, right? So, um, what I found it did was it brought a focus to my movement right it brought a focus to my movement and and something to take my mind off of like me constantly criticizing myself for fidgeting because like i'm constantly fidgeting i work at my desk a lot and my legs are constantly going i get up like probably every 15 20 minutes just walk over to the kitchen back do some squats come back you know do you just do something i can't sit still a lot of time you're gonna have problems with me this whole interview because i can't sit still yes and um it's uh, it, it gave a focus to the movement. It gave a focus and a reason for me to do it. And it, it took away my self-criticism for constantly fidgeting and, and getting out of my head when I was met- – because you're trying to sit there and meditating. I'm trying to think about my breathing, trying to think about everything. And you could get super self-critical about it if you screwed up. Like, how many breaths did I do? Oh, wait. No. No, I messed that up. Oh, my dog Piper made a noise. What the-, <laughs> the hell, Piper? You know, that kind of stuff. So, like – um, you don't. Uh, it and that's the thing. It, it says it's okay. Uh, it's okay that you just moved. It's okay that you're shaking. It's okay that you're underneath a blanket pretending yeah, to be a part you know, of acceptance of like who you are, yeah. and, and, and part of it is doing that weird thing. You know, yeah, like being super weird. Yeah,
0: um, and being okay with it yeah. yeah. So you probably have like a combination of a monkey mind with a dog mind combined. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, probably something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're wired that way, yeah. right? So uh, I don't really, I mean, I don't dissect it that much or anything like that. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not like sitting there all day long, like being like, is that my monkey brain or is that this or is that that? And again, I think it's because like doing things like the hard runs and the hard workouts, it just kind of helps you organize all that stuff in your head. Like I think a lot of people, you're sitting there and, and um, you know, i been an entrepreneur for the past 10 years, probably the scariest thing about And I was in the Marine Corps. Being an entrepreneur is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And you're playing around with all these things in your head. Like, am I going down the right path now? Am should I be working on this? Should I be working on that? Um, how should I spend the next five to 10 minutes? That kind of stuff's constantly going over in my head. And it really helps to tame all that stuff so I can focus on one thing. Yeah, so, yeah, it
0: definitely helps with organizing. You think that um, the uh, science or the physiology of that is is obviously different from, like, sitting to moving your body, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, you know... It's um yeah I guess you don't like analyze it though per se right you, that's just like how you are and how you're wired so you just kind of come to accept that
1: Well I find when I start to overanalyze things and I start to like try to manage it too much then it's it's no longer a practice it's just like a, a thing I'm checking off on a list all right and it's not something i enjoy doing anymore it's not something I, I want to do anymore it's not something i want to incorporate anymore it's just me doing it and going through the motions right if if i'm trying to think about it too much um but and and um you know i used to be a bodybuilder and go through all those routines and things like that the best workouts i ever had as a bodybuilder were the ones where i was just kind of winging it. If i had a plan and i was going in, it was always just me doing going through the motions. That's one of the reasons why i quit bodybuilding because it just got so boring. Right? Right. right. And, and and with this kind of kind of way of thinking, i guess it's it's more, you know, i'm able to incorporate it in my life. It's part of the adventure, the adventure of every single day. Like the runs, like like yesterday's run you didn't know what was going to happen on the run. I mean, you kind of know that we're out, but right. Like,
0: well you did. So that, yeah. that's part of the next question because like I'm running like with blind, I'm pretty much yeah. following a guide, you. So I don't know like how long it's going to be. Right. right. You know, So I'm just going and going. I'm like, holy shit for well, all. I know Chris could be taking me on a, you know,
1: a marathon. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, like I didn't know I was going to take a couple of those turns that we took. Until like I looked back at you, I saw you're okay and everything like that. And I was like, we can do more. Yeah. we can go, with, we'll go more. Which is yeah. funny
0: because that's kind of like uh, where we get into psychedelics. Yeah. And like a guide will pay attention to what the person's experience and then determine in that moment whether to like help them or to back off. Yeah, you exactly.
1: Know? And there was a point like in, we were coming through the park. Prospect Park, and you were like, "Oh man, just go ahead." And I was like, "Dude, we're almost there. We're almost there."
0: Right? <laughs> yeah, and like, I was like,
1: "Done, man. Yep, yep. Yeah, and, I was and, toast." But you had more in you. That's yeah, the,
0: yeah. Well, as soon know. as like I chilled out, mm-hmm. and you kind of like chilled out a little bit, and, 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 then, then, and then that's then.
1: one of the things I'm talking about. It's like your monkey brain is going to tell you, "All right, stop right now. Stop right now." And part of you really, really wants to listen to that. You really, really want it to be over, but. Um, when you keep going and and you realize that you're calmer than you think you are, like then that's where where the magic happens because you you realize that you're a lot calmer you're a lot more seen um, and one of the things I was thinking yesterday like i I mean i don't know what it's like to be mentally ill or schizophrenic or things like that, but one of the things I realized um and this came up in in my mind. We all have that in us. We right. all have that insanity in yeah, us. Yeah, different degrees. Right.
0: And Which they, and we're not making fun of people that are having the heavy right. degrees of it. Not at know? all.
1: Not at all. But I'm saying like it could happen to anybody. We literally all have those dark voices in our head, the, the different personalities. It's just that some some people that part of their brains turned way up. Yeah. And then I couldn't imagine what On eleven. Would, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to have that part of my brain turned so far up. But then you think about normal, average, everyday people who who aren't diagnosed with a mental, mental illness. But how much of that brain is still turned on, right? That that that's keeping them in a position where they are horrified every single day, where they're in a state where they see everything as negative, right? Where they're right. in a state where they see, you know, they can see best friends as conspiring against them and thinking because i've been around people like that yeah yeah they're just like plotting in their head or they feel like somebody's plotting against them their their job you know the people they come in contact with every day out on the road dealing with road rage that kind of stuff right right which fascinates
0: me with like the science of, of of the brain and the mind um whether it's physiology or psychology but the fact that like we're all wired similar but also different and like you know we don't like like i guess you don't analyze yourself so much but in in terms of understanding the science like maybe there's an evolutionary thing that's going on why we're getting like hangry and horny in certain moments right like obviously if you're low blood sugar you haven't eaten in a while you're or you're dehydrated that's gonna affect your mental state you know Or if you're just trying to like make it day to day, trying to make ends meet, that's gonna affect things. Or the combination of
1: everything. Well, totally. I mean, like, I mean, if you're talking about like hangry and horny, and I mean, dude, like my teens and twenties were ridiculous as far as what I did, and like how many things I regret that I did, and the experiences I had at that point, you know, I was a, I was an awful person, um, back in those days, a really, really awful person, um, womanizing, um, uh, and, and when I say womanizing, I I don't just mean like womanized, like, I mean, like, like, like just going through females, like four or five at a time. Like I would, I had this thing in my head where I had to date a minimum of four girls at a time. And if I would go over that, it would be a time management issue. But, you know, it was, and, and that's, <laughs> that's really was. hard to do, man. Um, and the thing was I, was, I was constantly thinking about, like, why was I doing that? Because it wasn't helping me. Um, and it was because of me not being comfortable in my own skin, like me not being comfortable with me. Right. And I was constantly trying to prove to myself that I could do this. Right, that I could go out, I could date multiple girls, that I could, I could be this person that I was, I was trying to pretend to be, um, and it, man, like it really wasn't until I hit like my thirties that I actually understood that I was just kind of, it, I was really destroying myself by um, and, and destroying other people and, and being an awful human being. Um, because I really hated myself. You know? Well, at what point did you realize that? Um, it took a lot, right? So um, I had been dating. The reason why I'm in California in the first place, I had, uh, I, I had been serving in the Marine Corps and like went, went overseas in 2003, came back and had this girlfriend, and she stayed with me that whole time. And um, we stuck together for five years. But in that time period, I made her life a living hell, right? Because I was selfish, because I decided that, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder from serving, right? And I said, you know, I spent all this time doing this. I'm going to have the time of my life and I'm going to have my cake and I'm going to eat it too. So any. Every opportunity I took, I'd go out to the bars, every, time I, uh, every opportunity I had, I would cheat on her. Every opportunity I had, I would um, do something that was just completely immoral, right? And it got to the point where I realized like, I have no values. Like I have no code right now. And something in the Marine Corps that I always taught was like, your code, your, your, your values are extremely important. Um, but I lost that and um, she eventually wised up and she got rid of me. She married somebody else and um, the town I come from, Normal, Connecticut, it's, it's not a very big town. A lot of people know each other and I said to myself and I was in a bitter, bitter state. I was feeling sorry for myself. I was blaming her. I was blaming the world. I couldn't see that I had brought all this stuff upon me. and. Um, uh, I said to myself, I can either sit here, feel sorry for myself for the rest of my life, drink my face off and watch everything that's going on here uh, and live in regret, or I can move on. So that's when I decided I'm going to head out to California. And so got into grad school out here, went to grad school for a bit, stayed up in Santa Barbara. I'm not saying that that healed me at all. It definitely didn't. I was still completely screwed up. Um, but... um it was at that point that i realized that like i was looking in the mirror and i looked a lot older than i was i was only you know in my late 20s at the time and i was starting to get wrinkles and and all kinds of stuff and and i looked like crap and that's when i decided to, to stop drinking right and i'd always been into fitness at that point right but it was at that point where i said i'm gonna stop this drinking i'm gonna stop you know, messing myself up so much and I'm going to dedicate my life to fitness. And so that's when I started getting into originally bodybuilding and and powerlifting. But um, that eventually put me on the path to where I am now, um, which is more about health because in the interceding years, I also developed ulcerative colitis and a whole host of other things. So. Right, so
0: you think that their symptoms of ulcerative colitis came from the past of that
1: that lifestyle of over-drinking and... Well, I can't say that it was one thing, right? Okay, stress. I I think one of the problems that people have is like... You know, when you have an issue like ulcerative colitis, people will go after like one thing. They'll say, like, oh, it was the stress, or oh, it was all that bad stuff you did that's adding up to your karma. And then it's your karmic spirit that is you know, <laughs> being affected right now, <laughs> right. which which I don't buy into either. Yeah, so yeah. I can't say it was the alcohol. I can't just say it was the gluten I was eating. I can't say it was the sugar I was eating um, because I wasn't eating a whole lot of gluten or sugar either. I can't say that it was a lack of, uh, of exercise or a lack of healthy lifestyle what i can say was that it was a number of factors including genetics including you know the environment that probably added up to give me severe ulcerative colitis right, right? right. that the, that's the main factor um but when you go through something like that i mean you look at yourself and you say all right i've always told myself i was a strong human being but then the universe comes in and they say to you you're nothing you're you're just a pile of carbon that was plucked out of somewhere, formulated into this being, and in the grand scheme of things, your life means nothing. You are nothing, and we can eliminate you at any point in time. All right, and it sounds dark. Yeah, yeah, that's heavy, but like. At the same time, it's also liberating. Right. right. It's a reality check. Because you're not that important. Yeah. Right? And and part of the reason why I had all these problems when I was younger was because I thought I was important. I thought that I was so important and I thought that the, the, the world was here to do all these things for me. Right? Like, give me women. Give me this. Give me that. Give me a career. Give me all this stuff. And the the reality was... If I wanted a good life, I had to go out there and get it. I had to go out there and make that life for myself. And that includes not just taking things from people but treating people the right way, treating uh, people with respect, getting a partner that I respect and that, that I can work with and have a beautiful relationship with. And through that, life gets a lot better. But if you go around, you go around abusing people. You go around feeling sorry for yourself. You go around um, thinking that that, you know, Woe is me! Like everything, everything happens to me. Everything, um, all these messed up things happen to me, and I don't know why. And and I've I've been doing this, and I've been doing that. Then you're gonna have a miserable life, no matter what you do, no matter what you get, no matter how much money you have, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done in your past. That's the other thing, like. It doesn 't matter what you've done in your past it doesn't matter if if you served in the military it doesn't matter if you've you've done anything. I have the utmost respect for everybody who served in the military and and i I've dedicated a lot of my life to helping people who served in the military. but your past doesn't matter. What matters is what you 're doing right now. What matters is what you, where you're going right and and if you do something and then you rest on your laurels and you say, "Oh, that was enough, then the rest of your life's not going to be that good you know.
0: Yeah, man. So there's so many things that are going on in there. So you obviously got humbled big time. Yeah. And you develop a, a value system now that you live a code finally when you didn't have that in the past. And you're able to look back on your past and not like judge yourself because when I met you, I didn't know that aspect of you until, you know, we, as we got to know each other and you share these stories, but it's amazing. Like how
1: much like somebody can transform, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, and, and like, I don't want to put it out like I'm perfect or anything. Cause I'm in the journey, you know what I mean? I'm still trying to figure everything out. Um, and, and these are just things that I've come across, right? There I'm probably more screwed up than, than anybody listening to this right and and that 's why I have to run every day that 's why I have to train that 's why I work relentlessly it 's because i 'm still trying to tamp down all the demons that are in my head and i'm trying to tamp down that that selfish person that 's in there and i 'm trying to make myself a better partner to my girlfriend i'm trying to make myself a better person so I can help more people right. It's definitely not about being perfect. It's about finding a path and continuing to walk the path.
0: Yeah, it's incredible, man. I mean, I've known you as somebody that has a lot of worth ethic. Is that, was the result, did you always have that in the past, or that was just because as you're working through your demons and your issues, you just found, like, this is the way to, like, keep you organized, keep you, like, in the center of the chaos, you know?
1: You know, I actually think... In a lot of ways, I'm a naturally lazy person, right? And, um, you know, growing up, I, I had a single mom. She she worked three jobs when I was growing up, and, and um, you know, I, I owe my life to her. Um, one of the things I would say, though, is that growing up, um, I was one of these kids who really didn't understand how things work. Like, I didn't understand that you had to put work in at school. I didn't understand that, you know, even if you go to college because my mom we come from an immigrant family and they're always like college, 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 key to a better life. I didn't understand that like once you go to college, you got to work really hard afterwards if 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 you want anything to do with it, right? Um and so again, I think that kind of like added to like my selfishness as a person because I thought I would just do some things and then things would come to me, right? Um, but it really wasn't until – I mean, I don't think I reached adulthood, adulthood at all until I hit the age of like 30. I mean, I really don't. And so that's when I said to myself, "You gotta, you got to do something. You got to do something with your life. Now, I've always been a strong-willed person. Where I'd put work in I you know I learned that from, from being in the Marine Corps. I learned, learned how to suffer from the Marine Corps. right um, but you also had a background of lifting weights too. I had a background yeah. of lifting weights I, I, and I think, wrestling right Well yeah, and that's what I was going to say. I think high school wrestling taught me more than anything at a young age about, about the value of hard work and, and independence. but um, again, like what are you working on? Right, like, and I think that matters. Where, where, where are you focusing your efforts? And um, I worked really hard at being a bad person for a long time. Like, I worked really, really hard at being an asshole um, because I wasn't. My mom didn't raise me that way, you know. What I mean, the Marine Corps didn't teach me to be that way. Um, uh, certainly didn't didn't learn that in college. But I worked really hard to be a stereotypical asshole. I had to put work into it. And I'm telling you, like you know, when when you're talking about dating four or five girls at a time, like you got to put work into that. If that's what your life is like right now, you are actually putting effort into being an asshole, right? You're putting effort into carry that image over. You're putting the effort into being selfish, right? Because that is a lot of effort. Um, And so, I was literally dedicating my life to being being an asshole. I would say, from the age of of Like 17 all the way up to age 30, even though I was serving in the Marine Corps, even though I was trying to do good with my life, I was putting effort into being an asshole. And
0: so with that, like, is there a way to live that kind of lifestyle without being an asshole? I mean, like if you had communicated to those women that you aren't like a a one woman kind of guy that you are dating like multiple women, would that have changed anything?
1: No no, and and, and honestly, like I, I've thought about that issue a lot, and, and like we've talked about that, yeah, like, and I think that um, you have to I think intent matters more than anything, right? So in my mind, it really wasn't about developing polyamory or anything like that. It was about what can I get out of this situation, And I think biologically, in a man, that's always the case, right. Right? I think that you can't get around – you might tell yourself that, that, okay, I can love multiple people and things like that. But biologically, it's the most selfish thing in the world. Right? And I think that, that if we're trying to tell ourselves something different, we're trying to fool our own biological makeup. Now, what, what has caused me to switch to being an avid advocate for monogamy um, it's because I realized that monogamy can be so much better than, than than that life because in your mind feelings get really really confused right and you, it takes getting your heart ripped out and and shown to you in order to to get those ways to, to be put down right it really really does and that is the only thing like I am so grateful that that, that girl left me And that she married somebody else. And that she's having an amazing life right now. Right? Um, But the only. And that's because the only way. I was ever going to change. Was by having my heart ripped out of me. And and shown to me literally. Now I'm not saying that it was an instant change. It took a, a lot of years of being very very lonely. It took a lot of years of. Wondering. What the heck was going on. But when I finally met the right person and I finally met somebody that I could, um, share my life with it's, it was the most amazing thing ever. Right. And it took a lot of really false starts. Um, you know, I had been married. I got married to the wrong gal, wrong gal because I kept telling myself, Oh, you're such a bad person. You're such a, you're such an awful person for, for this life you used to live. And I was ripping myself apart, but it wasn't, Until I um, gone, and I guess I'm putting a lot out here, but I'd gone through the through a divorce, right? Had had been through all the loneliness, tried to fill the loneliness by just marrying somebody, Um, that obviously didn't work out. Went through divorce, um, ended up like having my whole life like torn down, living out of my car and things like that. Yeah. Cause at that time from what I remember, you also
0: started or co-founded a gym.
1: Yep. Yep. And I, I mean, we could go back and go into the chronological order. But yeah. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, but it's just like all these different things that you're going through in
1: your life. And a lot of it was like all at once. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, I mean, so what happened was, um, moved out to California. Um, you know, very, very lonely, like was, was like dating here and there and things like that. But really I felt like I had no heart, like I had no, I couldn't, couldn't be in a relationship, couldn't have emotions for anybody. And then I met a, a, a I I was about four years into my graduate degree, passed my doctoral at dissertations and decided, and I had been personal training at that point, decided I wanted to open up a gym. So I partnered up with with uh, my brother, Eddie, he, down at Metroflex Gym in Long Beach. We created Metroflex Gym Long Beach, which became a pretty famous gym. Uh, a lot of guys came out of there like C.T. Fletcher, Mike Rashid, awesome guys. Um, a lot of people film out there, all that stuff. So it's super, super famous. Um, but at the time, it wasn't famous when we started it, right? So I wasn't earning any money off of it or anything like that and in that time period i was like searching for some sort of stability so i married this woman and and not to say that she was a bad woman but our personalities did not mesh whatsoever um she she was very very different in the way she looked at things she she considered relationships kind of ownership she she was very very jealous she didn't like the fact that i was in the fitness industry and my past didn't help right So I kind of felt like a lot of my past sins got recreated in this, in this relationship, this horrible relationship I'd gotten into and I was so miserable. Um, and I had no money to my name at that point. She wanted to live a certain type of lifestyle that involved us living in orange County. And, and I had no money to be doing that, but I caved because I was weak. Right. And, um, uh, that ended up in me getting a divorce and having to give up shares uh, of my ownership in Metroflex Gym, and so a huge, huge mistake in my life. Um, but it, again, it had lessons, and it was that when I had everything taken taken away from me, because after making that decision, the strong decision to to end the marriage and the strong decision to to pull out of uh, of that. I, I was living out of my car and it was at that point where I said, All right, I'm down to zero. I got nothing to lose. Why not try to build a life that, that I can be proud of? Why not try to build a life that I can respect? Why not try to build a life that, that I can be happy with? Right. Um, and I think proud was, was more important to me than happy at the time. Right. So um, Mike Rashid had a. Uh, Given me a computer, and he said, You know, you, you're good with this fit because I'd been coaching bodybuilders for a while, I'd been coaching a lot of pro guys, been coaching fitness models, doing nutrition. I was known as like the nutrition guy around the gym. He said, You know, you're so knowledgeable about this stuff, why don't you just start doing videos? So, back then, I mean, like, I just started my YouTube videos. I was, you know, I think the first couple of videos are me. Driving around in my in my car, and that's because that's what I was literally living out of at the time. And then um, uh, the next ones you'll see—they're they're me in the the rented room that I was renting from from my good friend Lucky, who who lives down the street from Metroflex. So I, I rented a room right there, um, and um, it was at that time, you know, I kind of like found my voice in talking about fitness—not just training people, but talking about fitness on YouTube. And then, um, I was doing that and, and, um, I eventually met this girl, um, her name is Shauna and she's, she's been, you know, I immediately like, like I didn't immediately like fall for her, um, because I was very like, kind of still, you know, pennant, but about a couple of months into it, like, I think I was having a really bad day and I said, you know, let's let's go out to lunch and so um took her out to lunch and it was in the middle of that lunch where i realized something and it was for the first time in years i was talking to somebody and not thinking about being somewhere else like i was completely present and i was and that in and of itself was like the most amazing thing to me i'd never had i hadn't had that in a long time with anybody else. Like a long, long time. And so um, I immediately got it in my head. I, I, I need to be with this woman. So um, since dating her and, and, and she taught me a lot about what monogamy means, right? Um, she probably doesn't know that, but like, she taught me a lot about the value of being with a person, getting to know a person, getting to know their quirks, getting to understand them getting to understand their imperfections, their weaknesses, their strengths, um, you know, um, be, what, what really being supportive means. Um, investing not only in the person but in their family and, and in what they hold, you know, valuable to themselves. And, and I think that, that's been an amazing experience. It's been one of the most amazing experiences. But at that time, like, the universe kind of opened up for me And, you know, as I was putting things out there on YouTube, people started calling me, asking me to do programs for them. And eventually I was making money that way. And then a couple of years after that, like I had been doing this for a while, I was making a lot of money. um, But I I asked myself, like, what am I really doing here? Because I was, you know, I was dealing with ulcerative colitis um, or the worst of the ulcerative colitis actually happened while I was living out of my car. Okay. And um, I was really, really sick at that point. But um, I had done it. I had overcome it, and I'd overcome it through nutrition. Um, And I started asking myself, what was I really doing by coaching bodybuilders and coaching people on aesthetics? And I said to myself, well, you're helping people with their own vanity. You're helping people to train and become assholes. Yeah. And and kind of inflating more of their insecurities, inflating their insecurities. And so, you know. I looked at what was going on in the world at the time, and you know, the Marine Corps was something that was really, really important to me. And I've seen a lot of veterans coming home who were suffering, who were dealing with depression, and I wanted to do something for them. And that's when I started Warrior Soul. Now, Warrior Soul started as a clothing company, and then we moved into talking about health. Fitness, wellness, and things that can help veterans live their best lives. Right, right. Um, and uh, it's been it's been awesome. I've never earned a dime off of anything. Like I've I've we've got money, but like uh, it never like really like earned a real dime off of it or anything like that. So it's, it, the reason I keep doing it is because I love speaking to this community. I love you know talking to this community. I love providing things for this community.
0: Yeah, and they're an amazing uh, bunch. You know, in terms of just, you know, serving our country, being selfless that way. Mm-hmm. And then the sad thing is just coming back and not knowing what to do. There's no sort of transition out of the military. Cause I remember you were saying that it was a very comfortable life because, mm-hmm. um, you are just following orders and, oh,
1: it's a great life. And, and this is the thing, like, you know, to the young guys who are still serving and out there, like, and I don't think people, I, outside of the military can understand this but when you're in the military you're the most free you'll ever be you're the most free you'll ever be and I think people think it's the opposite right right exactly you don't have to worry about paying rent you don't have to worry about where where you're living Um, you don't have to worry about choosing what you're going to put on every single day you don't have to worry about food you don't have to worry about a lot of bills because you're young unless you're stupid and you go out and buy a car Mm -hmm. or, or do one of the any number of dumb things that I see Young Young Marines and young service members do, um,
0: but so it's almost like an extension of of your own home where you right. grew up
1: with your if with parents right, right right but but the beauty of it is you have a single focus yeah right that your attention's not really parsed by anything- like I said, unless you bring um distractions in you You have the opportunity to be really, really focused on one thing. And I think that's a beautiful thing, and so many guys i've
0: seen like change because of the military you know <clears throat> yeah they've they've been undisciplined all over the place, and then they go into the military and it's like something changed yeah. where then now they're like orderly they're clean, they're organized you know
1: mm-hmm. absolutely
0: and absolutely. so what what uh what's happening in the military that enables that like a single focus, like I think it's to, a single like, answer to authority. single
1: focus, but it's also, um, you know, and when you talk about authority, it's not just authority; it's mentorship, right? You've got people who really they might be hard on you, but they care about you. They care about your future. They care about your contribution to the unit, right? And I think people. In the civilian world, they misinterpret that as saying, like, oh, you get turned into a machine. You don't get turned into a machine. The U.S. military is not looking for machines. They're looking for people who can think. They're they're looking for people who can make strong decisions, right? Have they made a lot of freaking mistakes in the past? Absolutely. But they're not looking for machines. Yeah, because
0: the people on the outside argue that you guys are getting brainwashed to just kill. Yeah, and
1: that's complete ignorance in my mind. That's somebody who doesn't know... Who has never been there and is trying to speak about something they've never experienced? You know this world we live in, um, it could be an ugly world, right? And so, you know, when we think about all of the relative comfort we live in here, and and this is what um, I tend to I tend to lean very conservative, um, and and that's not to say that like I'm I'm a social conservative or anything like that, but like um, when I hear leftists talking about All the things, the bad things about our country. I can't stand it because if you look around us right now and everything that we've got going on, um, it's amazing. Like, I could walk down the street, find food, right? Water, I have clean water right here. (laughs) There's a good portion of humanity out there that doesn't have clean water, that doesn't have everything we have at our disposal. For all classes in America, if you're earning twenty five thousand dollars here in America right now, you're still in the top three percent of income earners in the world, right? The, I don't think people get that. They don't. No, understand they that. definitely don't because um, they've never been outside of their bubble here. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and, and again, is our society absolutely perfect? No, but it's it's still, in my opinion, the greatest country that that's ever existed. Right? As far as human rights, as far as the care we take, the absolute care we take when we do do foreign interventions to to, to try to avoid human death, a lot of people don't understand how much care we actually take to avoid that. Um, and I'm sure there's people they're gonna be like, Oh, this alt right, whatever guy coming on here. Yeah, yeah. But that, it's but... like
0: where they get in their information from like some outside source, like no. you've been in there, you've been and, in and, the and, military, you are a civilian now. Mm-hmm. So you've seen like what it is to be
1: in and outside. Yeah, and and that's not like I it's not like I've you know, I'm not the greatest like military hero of all time or anything like that. I'll tell you that, you know, when I was in Iraq it was it was really anticlimactic but um you know it was when i look at what i saw over there as far as the way people were living right and and you know kids uh dealing with uh polluted water and 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 having to live in a place like that you know and coming back here and seeing all the amazing things we have like i i can't understand how anybody could say they hate living in this country i can't understand how anybody could say that 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 this country doesn't provide everything that we need you know it's an amazing country it's an amazing place we live in
0: yes and that's because of the military like in the sense that they're protecting us you guys have protected us from this this world that
1: mm-hmm. doesn't have our best interest in mind, you know because, absolutely yeah absolutely and, and and not just the military the police um the first responders the 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 and and I give a lot of credit to industry, I mean like oh, so many of us we think of like corporate America as like this evil thing, and yeah again you know i'm 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 a big Big critic of factory farming. I'm a big critic of a lot of things that happen. And Yeah, the, the downsides that, that, of corporatism. But at the same time, like the, the, those titans of industry that have contributed to our infrastructure here, the, that have, have helped us to be able to create things for the world that allow us to do things like this podcast, right? Like you could post this podcast right now and it's going to go out to everywhere. I have a podcast too and I saw I got downloads from like Turkmenistan, right? That Turkmenistan is one of the most oppressive regimes uh in the world and they they barred a lot of media, but somehow my podcast is getting through to them, right? I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, right? definitely. And all that came out of innovation, right? All that came out of industry and and we have such good lives because of that. Right. Right. Um, back to the uh, military and like the
0: sort of brotherhood, sisterhood that's developed from like being part of a unit, being part of a team and a family. Um, what's going on like after you get out? Like, why is it so hard for a lot of the vets to integrate back into society? Um, is it because they miss that uh, camaraderie
1: or? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a number of different factors. So, first things first. Like if you look at the high suicide rate amongst veterans most of that suicide rate isn't amongst combat veterans right so like uh, most of the people who are committing suicide have actually never never fired a shot or had a shot fired at them right so like that is not to say that it's not still a problem right and so why does this happen and why does why, why does it exist and I think it's a function of a number of different things a lot of guys when they come back they don't really have a set um, uh, mission that they're coming back to, right? So, I think that one of the things that can really, really help people is if they have they find a set purpose, they find something to do afterwards. And we've known people who who have found their purpose and it completely transformed their lives, right? Um, and and that is one of the biggest things because a lot of guys they'll just say, "All right, I'm going to get out," and I'm just going to be done with this. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to – but part of it is also you come back and what are you going to do? You're going to settle down. You're going to live a quiet lifestyle Um, and you used to have this innate focus on what you were doing but now you're kind of scattered all over the place and I think not having that purpose really contributes to depression. Really contributes to um, people being really down on themselves. Yeah, right? not just the military, but everybody. Right, right. right. And then, of course, you know, th- there's other factors here amongst the people who. Are committing suicide? How much does traumatic brain injury and low-level traumatic brain injury come into play? Like the things our friend Andrew Marr and, yeah. and Dr. Mark Gordon are working on it certainly right? helped me, like playing ice hockey and surfing waves. Absolutely, know? absolutely. And what we're talking about is the the brain inflammation from low-level traumatic brain injury. And one of the things that Andrew and, and Dr. Mark Gordon are saying is that even you know manning a fifty-caliber machine gun and getting shaken up that can induce a, a type right, of traumatic right. brain injury. Um, and so uh, you know, I think that there's that the, that that you have to look at that physiological component, right? That w- what could be going on physiologically, right? Um, so
0: yeah, you're looking at psycho- psychological, the, the lack of purpose, and then physiologically that there could be some inflammation, chronic inflammation, or, or and or damage to the brain right. from impact. Right.
1: Now and then, there's the other aspect of trauma. Right. Which, which I do think is a real thing. There's people who have lost friends who have experienced, yeah, witnessed it, yeah. witnessed, witnessed heartbreak, who have who, who have developed trauma. I interviewed a, a gentleman named Josh Montz on um, on my uh, podcast, and um, he'd actually been sh- shot and killed by a, a sniper in, in Iraq and brought back to life by a crack army medical team that that helped him to survive that ordeal and um you know that trauma affected him a great deal but he didn't he didn't talk about it for a long time until he came out with his book the beauty of a darker soul and um you know in, in cases like that um if you're not really integrating those experiences into your experience if you're not really if you're not really integrating those experiences and and learning from them and and admitting that the trauma is there then and and not trying to hide it um or or if you're hiding it then then that could lead to a whole host of of really bad issues down the line right
0: right right. so there's a contribution of like having sort of these shadows running through your demons you're not having like a proper outlet one and two you're not uh like you're saying like taking responsibility for it and then three Finding a way to um, like maybe channel it or alchemize
1: it into a purpose, per right. se. You've got to own it, right? And, and, and I think what Josh has done by writing his book, The Beauty of a Darker Soul, is that he started to own it. And, and he's teaching other people how to how to own their trauma and not hide behind – he calls it the shield of your story. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who hide behind the shield of their story and they'll say, all right, well, I did this and then I came back and I overcame it in this way. And then, but, but it's like, did you really overcome it? Are you really all, all okay there? And I think a lot of people – so There's think, a lot of pride that's coming out. Well, like, there is a lot of pride. When yeah, you overcome something really. that's so great, like you come out of depression, you come out of a bad situation and you think you found the solution – A lot of times you're sitting there and you think that you're, you're, you're okay and you start lying to yourself and telling yourself you're okay
0: yeah, it's a different kind of pride right because right. there's like the pride that you accomplish something and right. then there's the pride that it's more of like an ego pride like you know I'm better than this, and you know nothing's ever gonna take me down and, right you know right like, and then you start trying to believe the lie yeah and
1: you start you start believing it yourself and then you get humbled well, <laughs> somehow well, right well and that's the thing and like and and that's why I say to people like Um, And and that's why I think Josh Mons' book is such an amazing book because it goes into that concept of hiding behind that. What are you hiding behind when you're telling somebody that you're completely okay, right? Even if you think that you've overcome it yourself, are you truly okay, right? Are you hiding anything? And if you're hiding anything, why are you hiding it? Is it because of ego? Is it because you're trying to... Promote this story to the world yeah right? and you're trying to protect your identity right, right and that's why i said at the beginning of this interview and i'm sure people would say see this from the way i'm speaking i'm still not 100 percent like okay and that's not because of ptsd that's not because of, of of tbi that's not because of anything except the fact that i'm a human being and i have so many flaws just like all of us um but i think the 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 beauty of it is in you got to admit to those flaws you got to show people that they're there and you got to own those flaws and that's the only way you're ever going to be able to fix them
0: yeah and that's the irony because when you do that then you do um you are strong you know you are like relatable to people and and you're not like some superhero which i think you are because i've seen you in action you know but i've also seen you like just being human but admitting to being human and being vulnerable and like sharing your story is it gives people like hope that like they too are able to you know if they hit rock bottom, they live in a country where they're, it's just zero. It's not negative. It's not, you know, like yeah. they can actually start from like zero, not like six feet under, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. exactly. Like those other places, like you're, you're a negative. Like no matter how hard you work. You know, for the most part, like, you're not really gonna be able to make those step function leaps like we can in this country. Right. And and, And yeah, everybody's complaining about this country and how, how it sucks and how all this stuff. And it's like, there's so much division going on with just simple things like gender roles and all this other stuff, like, uh, politics and where it's like, well, hold on a sec. We're all human. We're all here. We all start from, nothing yeah. we come out of our mothers and then you know we're lucky to be here we can do things and I guess the thing is that it may take time to find out what that is you know right. and we have our journeys and um what's cool about you is that you're being able to like share all of you and that, that gives I think inspires me it, it motivates me to see you in action how hard you work you know, how many hours you put in. But at the same time, you still, like, take care of your health with, like, a health challenge, you know? You owned everything, and so you're doing your best, which I love your tagline for Warrior Soul, is, like, living your best life, right? Like, taking the resources and being resourceful with what you have, you know? Mm -hmm. And hopefully over time, with the benefit of living in this country and the benefit of the Internet, through like corporatism right that, like that technology and innovation came out of all that right mm. it's enabling us to sort of live more of an abundant life but even if we just stay at this level we are like way wealthy beyond the
1: rest of the world and that's what the, i mean that's it, it's one of the things that bothers me the most is that every time i turn on mm-hmm. cnn every time i'm looking at cnn they're concentrating on the most frivolous things. Now, do I like Donald Trump as a person? No, absolutely not. I think he's an asshole, right? I think he puts effort into being an asshole. At the same time, if you look at the job he's doing as president, he's doing a pretty damn good job. Now, me saying that alone immediately categorizes me as somebody who's who's supposedly an alt-right Nazi or something like that. Right there's a lot of people who will stop listening to everything else I've said because I it's, said that Donald said that, Trump uh, yeah. is doing a good job as president. Which is funny because you used to be a socialist Marxist, Marxist, yep. and yeah, and people don't understand that either. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, you know, I I was a graduate student. I was a typical graduate student. I've studied Marx. I, I I had for a period of time I considered myself a leftist. A really short period of time, but it was because. I under I I literally witnessed the corruption of the left, the corruption of the thought. And what do I mean by the corruption of the thought? It's not like corruption of like taking money. Well, first but,
0: of all, like what led you to lean over to the left, like what what caused you to go where
1: well, I I like what they're talking about. Um I would say it's it was a combination of things. All right. But the biggest thing that that, that I think caused me to head over that way was because my life wasn't going very well, right? When I got out of the military, um, I had a lot of questions about why we went into the Iraq war, right? And, and, and do I think that, do I qu- still have those questions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, what happened for me was um, I became very, very disillusioned. And um, I was not enjoying my life at all. And so I put it all on President George W. Bush right at the time and so you know back at the University of Connecticut um, I was looking at a lot of different things going on and, and um, I had uh, joined a couple of different protest type groups and um, what what set me away from that though and what, what, what turned me against it was, was sitting in a meeting and and people are talking about um how we need to have social solidarity with China right and i'm like we need to have social solidarity with China we can't criticize China is basically what they were saying because they were our socialist brothers um, and uh, this is a the, the chinese government is is not better than the united states government it, it, executing people, oppressing people, oppressing entire races of people in Tibet, Um, and that's where I was like, okay, this is a a morally corrupt premise of thought because what they're doing is they're taking anything, um, they're taking actual information and facts and changing them to provide for their preferred narrative, right? And so the conclusion I came to was this. All right, what, do I think it was wise for us to, to invade Iraq? No, I don't think it was wise for us to invade Iraq. Did a lot of people get hurt when we invaded Iraq? Yeah, a lot of people got hurt. If you look at Iraq today, is it on a path that's better, that's better than it would have been had Saddam Hussein still been in power? Absolutely, 100%. It is on a better path today than it would have been if Saddam Hussein was still in power. Um, and I can say that conclusively. Now, um, as far as a lot of the things I see going on out there, w- upon, upon close examination of what the left is teaching, you look at things, there are very few facts there. There's a lot of feelings, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of facts getting ch- changed around to support feelings. Right. And that's where myself as a social scientist by training, as somebody who, who likes the truth, that's where I was like, this is a completely corrupt way of thinking. Right? I became more and more conservative the more I became older and understood what conservative values truly mean right, and what they mean dedicated, being dedicated to. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to say you're wrong for, for living your life the way you are, right? Yeah, or um, having feelings. Right, or to, having feelings. Yeah. I'm not trying to say... And, 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 but you're not
0: like full-on, all the way conservative right? to the right. There's some sort of middle ground. Well, well
1: here's what I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm very much in favor of uh, 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 of uh, the LGBT community being able to live the lives that they want to live, right? If you want to have a gender change, absolutely, right? If um, you you want to, um, if, if 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 gay couples want to get married, absolutely, I've always been in favor of that. If you want to smoke cannabis, one hundred percent. You want to do any drug outside, whatsoever, one hundred percent. Right? I think on a, a level of rights, I think that's awesome. Right? You, we need to be able to do that. But when it starts to affect me, right? When I am when when it starts to affect um uh, other people's lives right that's when i start to have a problem with it that's when i have a huge problem with it when you're starting to try to change the facts in order to support your narrative such as being able to have a former man um be able to compete as an olympic lifter i i really to, i really do have a huge problem well, with it especially if a former man
0: uh well, I would go the opposite. If a, a man turns into a woman, yeah, a former man turns into a woman, that's not the opposite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and competes in MMA against women. Oh, yeah. No, yeah,
1: absolutely. that's horrible. Absolutely. And I, I consider that to be like, you know, I, I don't like that. But yeah. again, what are we seeing in politics these days? And what we're seeing is that the left is completely intolerant of alternative opinions while the right has begun to incorporate things like lgbtq rights like uh um uh cannabis cannabis, yeah legalization more and more conservatives being in favor of legalization of cannabis right and that is because the Uh, left has become so closed off to the rest of the world yeah that um the right is becoming bigger and more and more wide open right and
0: there's room to be in the middle yeah, right. absolutely. Right. And the conservatives are maybe even becoming more environmentally conscious too. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, but yeah, the point is, is that like we're all human beings. So it's like the politics of being human, you know, like people like to like choose one side and not see the upsides and downsides of either sides or multiple sides, you know? And I think that as we mature, we can like hold space
1: for different viewpoints and perspectives. Well none of that, like it's, why are we so sensitive, right? Why why do hundreds of thousands of people get offended if a girl wears a a Chinese gown to her prom, right? An Asian gown to her prom. Why are we focused on what this girl wore to her prom? Right and and all right. I get the whole cultural appropriation thing, but am I going to culturally appropriate you for wearing blue jeans? You're not a white guy. Like, why are you wearing blue jeans right now? Yeah. Like, what is that, man, dude? I'm I'm getting really sensitive right now. No, but you know, I mean, like, why are we focused on these things? Why are we not focused on working together to make? To build the infrastructure of this country, why are we not focused on working together to help our children to eat better, to to make better choices about what they're what they're putting into their bodies? One third of the the, the population out right now has prediabetes or diabetes. Why are we not focused on that? You know, and, and, and that's huge implications for our future. Right? right. What do you think's going on? Because my opinion is
0: it's it is maturity. Because when you're younger you're a little bit like more impressionable you haven't like had enough context of your life and wisdom experiences so you get distracted by these shiny objects including media that focuses on these sort of little tiny issues that aren't even issues at all some girl decides to wear a chinese dress that's a caucasian girl to prom like big fucking deal right but but everybody like get sensationalized by it you know and they know like how that works like media advertising marketing they know how that works so people that don't have the ability to think for themselves to question things are sucked in i find myself get sucked in but then i can like catch it you know it's like how soon can you catch it when you're younger and you don't have that experience or no one ever taught you that
1: in a class like how to question everything Right, you know? yeah. and, and, and I think one of the things that we're going to be seeing over the next decade is that a college education is going to become less and less value, valuable. Um, and the reason why it's become less and less valuable is because these types of things, this, this, the, the, the super sensitivity, that's what's being taught in college. You can't survive in the real world if you have that super sensitivity. Right, you can't survive in the real world if everything offends you, and that's what you focus on, yeah, like you can't, right um, and um, I think that we're going to be seeing uh, college education you know become worthless at, at a certain point, and it's going to be life experience that that that's really going to count., well, I think the only reason that universities still exist right now uh, is simply because of normative behavior. Right, right. And tradition. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: so I'm thinking about like, let's say someone like Donald Trump, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know the guy. And obviously he is like a big change in the system, which Mm -hmm. is like really exciting. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people were looking for was some sort of change, some actual change, you know, with somebody that doesn't have like politics experience come in. And it's really neat to see some of the effects. And the thing that I don't agree with him is, like, the things that he says. But I also respect that because that's part of freedom. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like how he's throwing, like, curveballs left and right to people, you right. know, because of the things that he says. It's, like, so outlandish. But at the same time, it's, like, it's almost freeing, you know. It's, it's he's, he, in some ways, uh just... Changing throwing a monkey wrench in there,
1: well, yeah, again, I think that that um do I like everything he says? no, absolutely not, you know,, um, but the problem I have with it is that the media is almost blind to anything good that's happened right right so so we take this latest thing with North Korea, where North Korea was come to the table it looks like you know things are going to be okay with them, and the media. You know a few months earlier was saying, "We're going to get into a nuclear conflict with Korea. Trump's getting us there, but then they come to the table and they're like hey let's let's sit down and let's negotiate this out guys um and the media is ignoring that aspect of it instead, they're focusing on Trump getting us into a conflict with Iran now when you know. Nothings
0: uh, I mean this is the big deal that North Korea and South Korea are talking to yes, each other exactly. Like, <laughs> like,
1: this is historic, yes, and the media's like, all
0: right, let's and, talk. and he did it without like dropping bombs
1: or having a war you know yeah, a, like did it, not a single life well of course there there are hundreds of uh, thousands of people who are suffering in North Korea and people who've suffered trying to get over the border, and it, that conflict has been going on for a long, long time now, but with Trump, Trump didn't have to drop a bomb. he didn't have to send make military, military intervention or anything like that. He, he, he did what he was supposed to do, and he held the line, right And people forget that that's part of diplomacy. right? I studied international politics in graduate school for, it, and that was my area of expertise was, was understanding negotiations, right If you're not willing to hold the line, if you're not willing to take a tough stance then you aren't going to get anything done. And what I see with what's going on with Trump, anything positive about him gets like a subhead. Right, line.
0: and then they focus on him being like a womanizer. Stormy and a Daniels, man. That yeah, that whole stuff.
1: thing. It's yeah, like, yeah. well, I mean, he
0: is... You know, a man, a businessman, like maybe you don't agree with his values, but, yeah. you know, of course, they're going to find dirt on anybody yeah. who ever ends up in office. And including again, me, you yeah, you know?
1: they'll find tons of dirt on me. Yeah. I and mean, like, that's the thing. Like, you know, I I, I just think, um, like I said, he's an imperfect individual, but none of us are perfect. Right. You know, right. and I think that one of the one of the problems people have with him, particularly white liberals, is that they hold up a mirror. It, it's a mirror being held up. To their face about their own imperfections, right, right, and and I think that um, there's the 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 idea of white guilt is a real thing, and so a lot of people are really ashamed of him, right. Um, he's kind of like your, your old racist grandpa. (laughs) Um, well, I mean, that's hilarious. I mean, like, I don't even think he's racist. I don't think he's racist at all. Yeah. But, but it's funny, like, because that's what people are treating him like.
0: Right. Right. I mean, the things that if we were, you know, analyzed with some cameras, getting pretty cold here, right? Um, in California. Uh, yeah, it's just funny that if people were, if there was a camera live in our our car as we're driving some of the shit that comes out of our mouth, we would all be racist, right, like we would all and just growing up was like even comedy, just hearing jokes, yeah, some you know? of the shit we
1: all do on our own, like you know and and i refuse like I refuse to believe that people out there are so perfect in their own thoughts, in their own mind that there's nothing. Non-offensive that goes on through their heads, right? And the the narrative out there is it's okay to be offensive. It's okay to hurt somebody as long as they're a conservative. And that's what I hate. I can't stand that because, like it or not, over half this country is conservative. Uh, over half this country loves guns. Over half this country loves country music, right? And that's those are the people who, in large part, go off to serve. Um, and and you know what else? half this country is also minority, right? Half this country is also uh, progressive and they have more democratic values, and that's okay too. But the point is we can all live together, Yeah, and we can all be here together and have a productive debate without knocking each other over the head with a padlock like what happened with at Berkeley with um, a conservative who was trying to support Milo Yiannopoulos, right? Mm-hmm. We, that that's just garbage it's complete garbage and and the same thing with those guys with their tiki torches out in virginia i can't stand i can't t- can't stand those guys right that that was so stupid but that doesn't just because i'm conservative doesn't mean that i'm a kkk racist whatever yeah
0: exactly you can't just like you know lump somebody into uh, one category and and associate like you with a bunch of
1: Like, races. This is the first time I'm ever really talking about all this stuff. So, like, (laughs) a lot of people are going to be like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell? (laughs) Uh, Huh? So, yeah.
0: Yeah, to me, it's cool. Um, One final thing here is just, uh, you know, one, like, we are human, right? And two, like, generalizations, like, get everybody in trouble because we're all, like, so different individually, too, you know? And then just, like, the idea of... Um, for example, like guns, like I, I think that when the kids came together and protested about gun laws, I think that's a beautiful thing because they're basically saying like there's something that's wrong here that we have to go to school and worry about getting shot up. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the answer is to ban guns outright, but the, I think the answer well, is to develop some sort of system that screens out uh like people that are psychologically unstable that it's like getting a true license in a sense that you have to like go through a bunch of hoops in order to um gain access to certain types of weapons you know or weapons in general it's like driving a car but even like driving a car which has now become a weapon Mm -hmm. right is, is there like some other test that people have to go through to make it a little bit harder?
1: Well, let to me get say accident? something about this, like, because I love the fact that those kids got out and protested. I love the fact that, that there is um, that's the a, beauty a, a, of a, our voice, country. a voice in America that's talking about gun laws. What I don't like is how the NRA and other pro-gun organizations got demonized, because let me tell you something about the NRA. They're teaching gun safety. They're teaching uh, people how to utilize firearms in a responsible manner. And it is not the members of the NRA or any other pro second amendment organization that is going out there and committing these massacres, these heinous crimes, right? So to protest the NRA is completely wrong, right? That's, it's, it's completely misfounded to protest gun owners is completely misfounded. So How do we get things done on this issue? Well, I'll tell you the way not to get things done. The way not to get things done is to the second one of these tragedies happen, to get on and say, look at what you did, gun owners, Second Amendment supporters. Look at what you did, NRA. That's not the way to get anything done. You think you're going to gain any supporters that way to try to fix this horrible problem? You're not. What you're going to do is you're going to turn off half the country. You're going to turn them off and you're going to make them understand that they cannot work with you, right? What the way forward is for all of us to work together. And if you want responsible gun laws, stop pointing the finger. Stop pointing the finger at gun owners. Stop pointing the finger at the NRA because most people who've never handled a gun, most people who've never uh, fired an AR-15, they don't understand anything about that firearm. Right. We had this Congress, there's a famous one, a uh, famous video. This Congressman He talks about this ghost gun. And I think he says it could fire 15,000 rounds in a minute. That's completely idiotic. Right. <laughs> people don't have, a, a, we have the most firearms of any country in the world. And a lot of people in this country just don't understand firearms. Right. Yeah. And so, um, like I said, I think there's a way forward, but all this. I'm on this side, and you're on that side, and you're fucking evil. Yeah, you're wrong. Stop, I'm right. Right, because yeah. if you look at your average NRA member, they're a very responsible citizen. Mm-hmm. They're somebody who probably takes a role in their community. Oh yeah, they're yeah. probably somebody who contributes uh, to, to to helping people throughout their community. Right, because they're volunteering in an organization. Right, and those are not the people you need to be going after. Hey, we need to be sitting down. We need to be talking with each other. We gotta stop point, pointing fingers.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's what you're saying about diplomacy and conversation and discussion and like, you know, looking at the, all of the issues and what's the best way to solve it, right? Like, maybe we need to legalize drugs to, mm-hmm. to eliminate like black market and, uh, the access to weapons through the underground, you know, like, all these different variables are coming into play, but everybody likes to make it black and white. And we
1: need to change our children's nutrition. I mean, like this bottom line: uh, put it, feeding them all that sugar, putting the chemicals into their body. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a horrible. Thing, yeah, keeping so. them in front of a screen, like not moving their bodies. Yep. Yeah, yep. And, and and parent them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it, that's the thing. I I, I you want to know in my mind what's probably caused more more. School massacres than 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 guns, Hollywood, yeah, like the the entertainment industry, right? You know, watch some of these movies. How how many people die? Mm-hmm. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's desensitized. So it's, uh, yeah, video it, it, games. It, and yes. it, the thing that makes me laugh about it is that the same people who made those movies are the first people to get on Twitter and demonize the NRA. Right, right. And then, yeah, it's down to,
0: you know, what kind of supervision and, uh, like, parenting and mentorship that yep. children are having, yep. right? Yep. So, yep. cool, man. Well, that was cool. a great episode, brother. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Can I plug myself real quick? Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, everybody just uh, –
1: go ahead, Chris. Hey, come on over to that's com, and what <laughs> you'll find over there – is a lot of awesome awesome stuff we'll talk about nutrition we talk we have my podcast up there the warrior soul podcast with my interviews with tony Flow real and um i'm not guaranteeing this but but uh you know the the 500th visitor every day gets a million dollars no i'm just kidding
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah all that funny internet marketing stuff man those schemes and uh but yeah man everybody just uh check out warriorsoul agoji.com uh a lot of awesome resources there um really cool stories with uh you know different people from all walks of life and and a lot of veterans of course mm-hmm. and uh yeah Chris Albert man thanks for being my brother and and thanks for coming on to Hangry and Horny thank you man thank you for being my brother i always love you so. i love you brother all right man peace thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Hangry and Horny i want to take this opportunity to thank Chris Albert for taking time out of his busy day to share his life story and some of his challenges and being really vulnerable and, you know, sharing to us that it's okay to be human, to make mistakes, to own up to them and, you know, become better human beings as a result and to sort of lead by example and inspire others with service. So thank you, Chris Albert, a warrior soul, for, again, being an amazing human being, a dear brother, and really look forward to uh, what you have to offer in the future. This show is sponsored by Fat Bomb Nut Butters. Go to dropanfbomb.com. And use the promo code Flowreal F L O W R E A L, and get twenty percent off your first order of amazing macadamia base nut butters. I really love them; they're so easy to eat, whether on the go for a snack or as a, a light meal that keeps you satisfied and satiated for hours. A lot of people use it for their keto or paleo, whatever diet you're on. They just are a great way to get nutritious, clean, fat fuel into our bodies. Thank you again, everybody, for listening and see you on the next episode of Hungry and Horny. Ciao.